You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. This message is being broadcast over the emergency alert system at the request of the New York football giants. This is not a test. Please remain calm and stand by for the following important information. Welcome to an emergency broadcast of Just Giants. I am the football grump, and with me right now is the cranky fan uh, on Big Giants News today. Grump, I noticed you didn't start the show by saying the best damn podcast for the best damn sports team. Oh, it's still a best damn podcast. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we we actually have a lot of stuff to unpack because a lot happened in the last uh, 72 hours. Yeah, well, so, let's yeah. let's work our way backwards, obviously, yeah. because this is the uh, this is the big issue. Yeah, yeah, the the big fish in the frying pan, really, the entire organization. Uh, so about what forty five minutes ago? Yeah, we were recording this at nine twenty seven Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Yes, not Eastern Standard. <laughs> um, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was traded by the Giants organization to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for. Jabril Peppers, safety out of Michigan, uh, a couple years ago, first-round pick. And uh, this year's first-round pick and third-round pick from Cleveland, one of their two third-round picks. So that would give the Giants the sixth overall pick in the draft that they had already had. They will also get now the 17th overall pick, and then they have the 34th. Fifth, I think 37th and then the 95th pick that's the first three rounds right there so a total of four picks and three rounds two very high um let's let's preface this before we go any further to tell everybody that grump and I have not spoken no well I mean this had this happened 45 minutes ago so I mean, right but we, we have done no show prep with respect to the Beckham trade. So what you're hearing first is our initial reactions and what we are thinking. So we are gonna we're gonna live through this together with you guys live. Well, I mean the the trade is outrageous, and I I'm not saying that as a a feeling about Odell Beckham per se. You know I'm not of the belief that any player is ever safe. Um, you know for for any reason, but. What you get in return for something like this is what's really key and important. And um, when I evaluate what Odell Beckham is today, March 12th or whatever, 2019, is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the game. I don't necessarily mean on the field production, I mean in in everything that you get for in a player. I mean, you can argue about Julio Jones and Antonio Brown as the other two that are better, uh, but what you get with Beckham over Julio Jones is a a level of breakaway speed and mobility in the open field that makes every single play a, a threat to score a touchdown, which I, I don't really think that you have with Julio Jones. I think he's more of a 
contested catch guy and things things like that. I mean, great wide receiver. And what you get with him over Antonio Brown is a, a guy who is absolutely 100% loved in the locker room, the hardest working guy in the team. Um, and, and regardless of what the New York media will tell you, you know, a positive influence in the locker room, 100%, as far as every actual report has ever been. Now the Mike Francesas of the world, who I've I, I'm I've finally blocked on Twitter, by the way. Um, the Mike Francesas of the world will tell you their opinion that they're a distraction, but they don't exist in the locker room. I mean, every player that's ever played with him loves him to death. So you know, a complete hardworking best wide receiver in the game, and what you get in return for something like that should be more than a first round pick. And a lot of people value draft picks differently than they should. What you what you have with a draft pick is really just an order to play the lottery. It's it's a line to play the lottery. Every draft pick is a gamble. You don't know what you're going to get ever. The Ryan Leafs out there are proof of that. And a first round pick can be Odell Beckham. It can also be Ryan Leaf. But Odell Beckham on March 12th, 2019 is Odell Beckham. He's a the best wide receiver in the game. In my opinion, if you want to stay with on-field statistics, top three. Doesn't matter. The point is, is that you don't know what you're getting with the first-round pick. So when people thought that the Giants asking for, you know, this hypothetical rumor shit that it was they wanted three first-round picks for him, they thought that was outrageous. It's kind of not. It's three chances to get Odell Beckham. Now, those things are valuable to building a team, but they're not the return of what you know is a a, a well-quantified investment. The Browns know exactly what they're going to get in Odell Beckham. So for me, I'm not necessarily butthurt that Beckham is not on this team anymore. A guy I truly like and have defended, etc., but I, I'm disappointed in the return investment, which to me is cheap. Well, Grump, I guess there's a lot of factors into it. You know, we've never seen a wide receiver tra- traded at, if not the prime of his career, about to be at the prime of his career. We've never seen a guy traded one year after signing an enormous contract. I mean, these are all unknowns. And, you know, Antonio Brown did the Giants kind of a disservice, I think, by forcing the trade and the return that the Steelers got for him was pretty, really shitty. I mean, if the Steeler fan, you know, the you know, the, the cranky Steeler fan out there should want to be super pissed because all they got was a third and a fifth round for a guy who is comparable. You know, well, the only... I, I comparable on the field, but what you were going to get with Antonio Brown was a guy who wasn't going to play this year for you. Okay, so let's say we we know that Beckham's not going to hold out for a contract next year, but who's to say after week thirteen that he is tired of the losing, tired of a perceived lack of a plan, and he demands he wants to be traded, and then he decides I'm not going to I'm not playing next year. I mean that's a that is a possibility for someone like him. And I know he's a, the, 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 the teammates love him and all that nonsense and everything. That's all fine and dandy. But if somebody is hyper-competitive as he is, and we've seen the guy go apeshit on the sideline more often than not 
almost every time because they're losing, not because of something he's done specifically. It's because it's a losing situation that you know he could decide he wants to shut it down and leave this team as well. Now, I've said from day one that Odell Beckham Jr.'s true value, the Odell Beckham Jr. brand is worth the most in New York City. And I've always said he'd be a fool to want to go to a place exactly like Cleveland. Well, he didn't go, though. I mean— Cleveland? I mean— He's not choosing that. He's not the fool. Yeah, but do you think he had nothing to do with this trade at all? Do you think that you, you know, you think he got a phone call at 630 saying, guess what? We just traded you. Or do you think there was some behind the scenes stuff where at least he was notified that there was a potential for a deal? What do you think about it? I mean, the Giants aren't just trading the face of their franchise, the one where every 12 year old has their jersey, you know, to gain uh, draft picks. I mean, I'm, I'm just not going to connect those dots because I saw nothing to support that. Conspiracy did we theory. see that? Did we see that with Antonio Brown up until last year? But to go to the Raiders? No, just like to demand to be traded, or you know. Well, I mean, again, it's a different situation. You have a guy complaining that he's outworking his contract and doesn't want to be where he is. Yeah, but my point about Beckham to me, this doesn't seem like a trade. that's just like. He is. They're just trading him out of the blue, and he's shocked by it. I think there's, you know, I will. We, maybe we'll know in the future. Maybe we won't know. But it just seems like a pretty random move to trade him. I, I again, for all of the penalties that the Giants are going to be involved with this, I mean, they're going to have a twenty-one million dollar cap hit this year because of it. They're getting a first and third round pick, you know, which. The value of those picks may be the ability to trade those picks to package up for something more. And again, when you were talking about lottery picks, and I agree with you about that. That doesn't mean they're going to take – they're going to have two first-round picks this year. I've had the theory for a long time on this show that I think they're going to go wait till 2020 to get their quarterback. They have two first-round picks. They have two – they now have two third-round picks. They don't have a fourth-round pick. Is no, the, the, no, they have. They had no third-round pick, so they just got okay, one. So, so they had their third-round pick. They have lots of draft picks this year that can easily be rolled over to next year, doing some maneuvering on draft day or whenever. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what the market is for a guy like him. And is it and also the fact that he has not been on the field for 16 games for the last couple of years that's something that you it's something to keep in the back of your mind I mean it's something that we are going to defend and say oh no big deal but it's something to think about when you're thinking about what his value is on the trade market maybe but if say so I'm not willing to go down this path that I can already see other Giants fans doing um, of, well, he was a distraction anyway. He wasn't that good. He was hurt oh, all the time. Disagree, I, disagree, disagree on yeah. all three of those. Yeah, and, and I already see it happening. Giants fans turning on this. It's a it's a bad move. Um, again, not saying that he should stay by all measures and all means, but the return on this, if what's really driving down his trade value is the fact that he didn't play a 16-game season, nobody said you had to fucking trade him this year. Like his contract is much more tradable next year. And we've covered that on this show in the past. And if it takes a 16 game season of health to 
drive up his trade market, then so be it. There is nothing about this team that needs to get rid of him or his contract, the contract that they tailored for him. You know, the the cap situation they're in is not the worst. They're not even the top 10 before this move of teams closest to the cap. So I don't want to hear that they're strapped for cash. It's not. We'll get into this in a second, but that's not the reason no, why they didn't no, sign Landon Collins either. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Keep going. I know where you're going, but, but I agree with you so far. But, but what I'm saying is, you know, this isn't a rebuild move. You know, when you rebuild, you decide what pieces you build around and what pieces you need to bring in to continue to build around. And pieces you build around are talented young players, which is 100% what he is, which is why you pay him, which is why they paid him last offseason. Or, yeah, it was last offseason. You know, this is a piece that you build around when you are building a team. Hence why Cleveland now has Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, and Odell Beckham among, well, I mean, I guess Nick Chubb is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. th- these are all young guys like him, some on rookie contracts, which is what you do when you have a rebuild. This isn't a rebuild move. This is, I don't know what this is. This is, I guess. I I look at this in football more than any sport that one player does not make. Well, there's yes. No un- there's no untouchable player in football. Like in basketball is different. Yeah. And there's a lot of comparisons to this, to the um, uh, the trade the Knicks just made with uh, Porzingis, where it's like, how can you trade a guy that's entering the prime of his career for clearing cap space and, and, and getting draft picks and stuff? It's like you already have the asset. Yeah. In basketball, you can make that argument more because one guy makes a difference between being a team that's not making the playoffs and potentially making the finals. Football isn't like that. Well, I understand and, that. But you need to have – you need a core. And the Giants right now have no core of a future right now. They have you know, one of the best young running backs in the league. They had one of the you know, top three best wide receivers in the league. What else is their core going forward? Will Hernandez? Yeah. Hey, he's pretty, pretty good. You know, a, a building block. What else? Really, do you say is like this is the foundation for a team that in two years is a playoff team? Well, my question, but my my answer to you is a question. Okay, so how much more do they need to have a core? Would it take a quarterback? Because this is the the argument that people have had is that they are a quarterback away from having a core. I disagree. I think this team, I think. Not from competing, from having a core. Because last year, the, the Cleveland Browns picked up a quarterback and they went, what did they have, six wins? But they had a core. There was something to believe there. Yeah, I mean, I would say having a young quarterback would definitely would help. Having a a young stud defensive uh, pass rusher is part of that, having that core. Sure. Having, you know, we don't have that right now. No, but we, the we draft have- didn't happen yet. Free agency hasn't even officially started yet. Yeah, but I, I think there's... But there's also having a core is having, you know, lots of pieces. And there's so many holes that this team needs from a starter standpoint, depth standpoint. And again, if they are still eyeing to get that franchise quarterback, that once in a generation guy, you know, who if he's not in this year's draft, is in next year's draft, they want to get as many, you know, assets they can to try to get that spot. Now, they may have backed themselves into it next year by potentially being the worst team in the league next year. Oh, easily, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's very, very possible. I mean, if they are, 
if they're committed to not getting a quarterback this year and riding out Eli, even with a better offensive line, he has nobody to throw to. He has no weapons right now. I mean, Sterling Shepard proved he is not a number one guy. Evan Ingram is, you know, is what he is, but he's not a guy that, you know, is consistently yet great. I mean, this team and the defense has to be rebuilt. The, the defense, as we're recording this on March 12th, is worse than it was in week 17 last year. Yep. I mean, again, yes, I know there's free agency in the draft and everything, and they'll get some parts to hopefully make it better, but that defense was really shitty at the end of last year. And on paper right now, it is worse. So this team has the potential again to be a two to four win team in 2019. Yes. So I think what people have to stop doing is this is very much a work in process. I mean, this is still the very beginning of, you know, Gettleman's catching all sorts of shit. He caught it before even today. What if these, you know, these deals could pan out? You know, like, I agree with that. And it's, I think people have to stop with the fire Gettleman. This is the worst move ever. What is he doing? Is he crazy? What is the plan? It's like, well, fuck not, that. What's the point of firing him now? He's already done the damage. You might as well right. let him ride out his plan. And first of all, sorry, I know you may be giant fans. You may be season ticket holders, but fuck you. It's not his job to tell you the plan. Yeah. His job is to do his job. His job is to maximize the assets he has on this roster, do the best he can with the money he has available for free agency, you know, using his talent coordinators to make the best uh, draft picks possible, his coaching staff to take the, the talent that comes in and get down to a 53-man roster for opening day. That's their job. It's not, well, you don't like the first movie made. What is he doing? I don't understand it. Fuck you. Not his job to tell you every single movie does and what part of master plan he has. If he tells the whole world what his master plan is, what kind of leverage does he have in anything, in free agency, in trades, and anything else? So relax, everybody. You know, if, if if we get to year four, year five, and we're looking at another Mike Tunnelbaum situation or another Matt Millen situation, fine, we'll fire his ass. But last time I checked, this is a GM that did take a team to the Super Bowl. This is a guy that was with the Giants for how many years? 20 years? Very key part of the personnel department that won. Was he part of three Super Bowls with the Giants or was he all four of them? Uh, Three. With three. This isn't some bozo that was, you know, uh, the Monday Night Football analyst. They just gave a job. I mean, this is a, a, a proven guy with a track record. And he's done things like this in the past. He did these things in, in Carolina. You know, he cuts free agents. He does not overspend on guys he doesn't think is worth it. You know who else does things like that? New England. They don't overspend on guys if they're maybe past their prime or they may be fan favorites. Their job is to be flexible. And that's what he's trying to do here. This this roster is a mess. It is, you know, again, not the worst cap situation, but not ideal. And it has to rely on free agency to, to build immediately because the drafts for the last five years have been so shitty. So he's got a one of the most difficult jobs in the NFL right now is trying to build this team in one of the toughest media markets to do it in. Well, I 100 percent agree with everything you just said. But again, that 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 I've always agreed with. And that was kind of the top of my point. It's fine that, you know, we need to fix this roster, et cetera, but the return investment of a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers, to me, it's not enough. And, and there, you know, if you truly feel like this team is in such shambles, there's next year you can trade him too, where it's more cap-friendly to do it, 
you know, you can drive up his trade market by having him have a successful year. You know, you hope that you get incrementally better, not worse, but you hope that the team plays a little bit better. He has better statistics. You know, he plays a full 16 game season and his trade market goes up. You trade him, you get two firsts or whatever, whatever better deal. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine. Trump, do you think there's something else behind the scenes we don't know about? I mean, it is possible. I, you know, again, I'm not going to drag the guy I mean, through the mud because there is no evidence of this whatsoever. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying – I'm just asking do you think it's possible because that $21 million cap hit is – you know, that dead cap money is an enormous number. And that was the one thing I was arguing with people all last season, all off season. Like they're not trading them. They're not taking on that number. And when – the Steelers trade Antonio Brown. It's like they got hit with such a huge dead cap number. It's ridiculous. So, but again, I, I do view the Antonio Brown situation completely differently because they have a well-documented head case to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I, I understand. But still, there is you know, there is damage on their books for next year because yes. of it. And that's mm-hmm. something that could be avoided by the Giants by not trading now. So I thought the, the chances of them trading him are slim and none. Yes. Not because he's – the best wide receiver in the league or one of the two or three best wide receivers in the league or because he's the face of the franchise and because every 13-year-old has his jersey. It's because the damage you're doing by trading him. It, it outweighs you know, the benefits. It just outweighs the benefits for it. And, you know, that first and third pick might get packaged up to something else and maybe we end up with the first pick in the draft or, you know, maybe it's used, maybe the third-round pick to get Josh Rosen because that was – the. We heard the report sides of last week, which I think Grump and I both, you know, I wasn't on the show last week, but we both kind of said to each other, we didn't believe was the real market value for Josh mm-hmm. Rosen, but maybe it is. And, you know, that's the piece that all of a sudden, you know, does the trade look better if it's all of a sudden Josh Rosen and Jabil Peppers and a first round pick for Beckham? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so- that's why it looks better, yes, yes. Yeah. But but again, what we're talking about is using the traf- the draft picks as trade leverage further. You know, I'm not convinced. I mean, I guess if you – here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want the draft picks to be used to move up to take Dwayne Haskins. Oh, no, I completely I completely agree, 100%. Yeah. You know, if, if Haskins falls to them at six and they manage to get him and then have another first-round pick and they have their second, their third, and a fourth – Okay, now you have a situation, but that is a huge gamble. I really don't think that he falls. To me, obviously, the more ideal situation is if, if, if Arizona is bonkers nuts and decides that they would rather draft Kyler Murray than Nick Bosa, and they 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 are willing to trade Josh Rosen away for for draft picks, if. The pick goes for that, and it won't be a third, by the way. That that is such nonsense. It's not even. I don't know where that report actually originated, but there's no way that a guy of his caliber is going for anything less than a one on a rookie deal. You know, one year removed from, you know, being, in my opinion, the most technically sound quarterback in the class. Um, you know, after playing a year on what might be the shittiest NFL roster I've ever seen. That was an AAF roster that he was on. Hey, Grump, I got to read something to you. I think I might have shared this with you yesterday. It was from uh, a Facebook group I'm no longer a, a member of because there are just a bunch of imbeciles on it. But uh, there was a trade proposal of OBJ and a fifth rounder to Arizona for the number one round, the first overall pick, 
a third rounder and Josh Rosen. Should we do it? And everybody was like, hell no, OBJ is worth more than that. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the, the dumpster fire that that chat room is right now? This is what we ended up getting. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it. It's, you know, we've become that franchise that people light their jerseys on fire. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just, you know. I mean, again, I, I'm I'm upset right now. Like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow because I work with numerous Jets fans. Oh, fuck them. Well, I'm just I mean, saying, you know. Seriously, you know something. It's, I, a, it's a back and forth. They're, they're, I'm friends with them because they're good dudes. So oh, yeah, it's yeah, ribbing, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. it's the back and forth, the, you know. The normal stuff, but like I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it with them. I I'm talking about it now. You know what I mean? You know what I think the problem with me is, Grump is you know I've been just so beaten down by all of my teams. You know I've been sitting through tank hell for the last two seasons of the Giants, the last millennium with the Knicks. You know everybody sucks, and it's just almost like a numbing effect. It's kind of like I've been beaten down so badly that I had to look for the positives in anything. And again, I'm not 12 years old. I didn't grow up with Beckham as my hero. Hmm. You know, I he is probably the most talented giant I've seen talent-wise in all the years I've been watching the Giants since 1979, with the exception potentially of Saquon Barkley. I think those are the two most talented giants I've seen. But you know something? Players come and go. And I stopped being emotionally attached to them when I hit puberty. Uh, I I feel like I should be more upset about this trade, but to me, it's just like we have to start over. And I disagree with you what you said about you know guys you build around. I think too much of his core years will be wasted by not having a quarterback, and I think also a a good offensive coach to maximize what he is. Maybe his value is better off being traded. All right. I guess I, I guess I, I can get down with that explanation. Yeah, I, I really I, I just yes on paper if all things considered equal you'd love to have a guy like him you'd love to have you know a a fifth year left tackle in the prime of his career but everything's a moving part you know this is going to be Beckham's sixth year mm. coming into yeah so let's so. so let's say this year is a wash you know we stick with Eli or. Who knows? We draft Rosen or something, and this team is still five and eleven because the defense is still shitty. Then we get to next year, and then in the year after and stuff. It's wide receiver. I mean, I, I get it that he's the cream of the crop, but I feel like it's you need to have the hog mollies. You need to have the core of the team in place to really maximize the effectiveness of, of guys like Beckham. And so that's why why I'm not as upset as probably I should be about it. Face of the franchise, you know, that's fine. He can, he can we'll, Barkley will fill that spot really quickly. I mean, they're still gonna be on prime time all the time. They're still the most popular, one of the five most popular teams in the league. But I I don't know. I I, I probably should be taking this worse than I am. I'm just more angry about what people's reactions are to it, I guess, than what we actually did. If that makes sense. Yeah. Again, I I just I would like more in return for something like this, given given the dead cap that they're inheriting, you know, for for doing this. I I don't think that this trade is worth it. Um, you know, if this were to happen next year, that's a different story. But 
to me, this is not worth it. So you asked the question at the top of this, um, do I think that something else is going on that drove this because of the dead cap number? And the only thing that comes to mind is that there were one or two instances where Beckham went to the locker room early in games in which the Giants were losing in halftime. That's it. That's all I can come up with. <laughs> and it's not much. I, I don't think there's anything to that. Just saying. Okay, that's that's... And it was explained away by his coach saying mm-hmm. he went in early for treatment. And who gives a shit about that stuff? That's I'm, that's silly stuff. I mean, I'm just saying. I, yeah. I no one said that. I'm the only thing I can think of that might have sat the wrong way is if he was overly frustrated and just excused himself from the bench for non medical reasons. The team covered it up to save face, and you know that was an actual distraction that was kept under the rug that we don't know about that's the only thing but again that's a, so many variables and guessing and what ifs that to me is well, not let me true. ask <laughs> let me ask you some something grub we've been hearing now for the last i don't know 10 days almost a daily drumbeat of trade rumors where do you think those rumors came from do you think it's possible that came from beckham's camp I was thinking more of Gettleman's camp. Okay, well, so, I mean, either one, so, you know. Well, why, so why would... the, the scenario I assumed was, you know, teams will inquire about what the cost is, and as, you know, a good franchise should, they were listening to whatever offers were on the table, and I think that by letting out quote-unquote leaks of the trade you know rumor they can then drive up the trade price for him and see what how far they could make it go that's what i thought you know if it's if it came from beckup's camp i i don't understand how i mean what what is, how does that benefit him that's what i don't get maybe he wanted to leave the giants yep okay maybe but i don't understand what yeah how, how I, does that help him leave the giants by leaking the information. That's what I don't get. I, I, I think by leaking the information, you're driving up a market to the point where the Giants are like, oh, that's worth our while to trade him. Well, if that's he, the case, that's yeah. pathetic. I, I think, I, I mean, that was my thinking. Like, they were trying to create a market where there was no previous market before. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's something, you know, we're probably never going to hear the, the, the real story from either side what happened. But uh, it just seemed like this was very public. From the very beginning, every new – it's almost like – I don't know. I, I really haven't seen anything like this before, you know, where we went from rumor to reality, and it wasn't just wild rumors. It actually flowed into reality. Yeah. You know, I guess something you can compare it to is like the whole potential Anthony Davis trade going from the, the Pelicans to the Lakers where – the Lakers were clearly um, leaking all the, the uh, potential trade offers and everything because they wanted to get a deal done. They're not very smart, the Lakers, but I think that's kind of similar situation, I guess. But it doesn't make any sense. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess – so I'll reserve judgment on the outcome of this after the draft – see what these draft picks become. You know, if they end up being traded for more draft picks, then I'll have to wait for another year. You know, if they, if they, if they're trading for next year's draft picks or if they become a player or if they become actual drafted players, 
you know, I, I think I'll you have reserve. To wait. I think you have to wait longer than that. I think you have to see what those guys actually do. I mean, I think this is what the magnitude of this trade says. You no, can't no, no, make no, a no. Snap no. decision. It has to be, you know, and it, it sucks for everybody, but it's you know, the world isn't based on instant reaction and instant grades. I mean, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, and I'll tell you why because. Nobody knows at this point. So they're they're gambling one way or another. You know, the actual result of whatever player they get, if they get Josh Rosen and he continues to be terrible because you need to give like three or four years for any draft pick to really have an evaluation on him, that's that's fine. But the trade was made based on what the expected potential is of him. Same thing with any – so like if they – say they – dude, I don't know. I'm just going to pull a name out of my ass. They use the first-round pick on uh, – you know, uh, Nick Bosa for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's outstanding. You know, that's great. If Nick Bosa doesn't pan out, that's what nobody expected. And I would not fault this organization for that because when, the, what they traded was for a gamble. And if that gamble turns out to be Nick Bosa, then what they got was a, a decent trade. If he doesn't pan out, that's part of the gamble. Do you know what that's I'm saying? Fair. Like, that's fair. So, so I'm not going to grade based on how a draft pick pans out. I'm going to grade based on what the return is. If that return is a draft pick for next year, then I have to wait for next year. But if it's a player this year, whether in a trade or in the draft itself, I'm going to grade it immediately based on what they get. And it, you know, and I say that the same. the The opposite holds true. If they get somebody that is, I don't know. Say, say they trade the first round pick down for two thirds or something and get two guys that nobody's really high on, but they wind up being really important pieces. My, you know, that was just luck the same way as if they were really bad. So I'll I'll grade it evenly. Um, But we didn't get to cover uh, the other trade that happened, which was uh, (laughs) important. So I kind of want to get into that. It won't be as hotly contested, but Olivier Vernon was traded along with a fourth round pick to the Cleveland Browns for um, Kevin Zeitler and a fifth round pick. So Cleveland moves up around and they get a very large contract and pass rusher that has just not performed up to the standard here while the giants get uh, a very, 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 very good right guard um, and uh fifth round pick. Well, I would say in Olivier Vernon's defense, he did not play up to the standard of what his contract was paying him to, to do. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt a little bit last year. They did change systems when he was signed to play for, Going from a four three to a three four, it's a little different. Um, so I, I'm going to say he didn't. You know, for the amount of money he was getting paid, did he pay up to that standard? No. Well, is no. He, I mean, that would be like a Lawrence yeah. Taylor kind yeah, of exactly. performance. Exactly. But I mean, he's still a solid defender. Yes. Um. You know. So I, I'm not going to be as harsh on him. I think you were a little, little overly harsh on his assessment in that thing. But still, I think as a lot of Giant fans, you know. He came over at a time where we spent a lot of money on three big pieces for this defense. And when we were still kind of under the delusion of we'll just spend a lot of money and we'll make that next jump. And it didn't happen and it failed miserably. So what I would say is, is, you know, I agree with you. I, I didn't mean to be overly harsh. I was trying to be quick with my analysis of him, but yeah, you know, it, 
Vernon is a, a solid run defender for starters. Um, he consistently put pressure on quarterbacks, but he never got numbers. But the, the point is, is that in three years has it been, he's never had the sack numbers in three years. And I remember, you know, of the three acquisitions that were got, Janoris Jenkins has played, you know, outstanding the one year, a little sluggish the next year, and solid another year until he got hurt. Um, you know, Snacks was always Snacks. Played, I would say, up to what he deserved. Traded away, but mostly for part of this rebuild and because they had drafted a sort of replacement for him anyway. Right. But Vernon was the one that never really felt like he contributed to the point where, you know, he was always going to be overpaid because that's what the market demanded he was worth. But it didn't seem like he was in the same stratosphere as his contract. But I think the problem also was that when he was with Miami, he was never double teamed. And now because last year he was really the only pass rushing option we had on the entire team, that's where, uh, you know, offensive lines kind of keyed in on. You know, we'll, we'll see now that he's with Cleveland where he's not going to be, you know, the guy everybody's kind of circling to uh, pay attention to. Yeah. If his numbers go up. So it, it's a it's a great situation for him. Sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't. As far as today, his contract hasn't even changed. So yeah, and I have no, I have no problem with this trade because you know we've been harping. You know, as bad as the defense has been, this has always been a story of how bad this offensive line has been and how it has, you know, made Eli Manning worse than he actually is to the point where people think he is the worst quarterback in the league right now, and a lot of that is caused because of a bad offensive line. Whether he has no pass protection or the inability to run the ball. And even with Saquon Barkley, run the ball consistently. We've gone through 100 times how Barkley, you know, two yards, three yards, two yards, 60 yards, three yards, two yards. We, we want more consistency out of him. And a lot of that will come by having a better offensive line. So to me, the opportunity, it's a lot harder to get really good offensive linemen than it is almost anything else in this league. And you get the opportunity to get one, I feel like there's a lot of other Olivier Vernons out there, don't you? That you have the opportunity to get a, a, a above average right guard, you you get him. Well, you already know how I feel. I mean, for the last six years, I've wanted a right <laughs> guard on this team. That's not even an exaggeration. That I, is I've, that is absolutely 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. Since it, it, I I've been saying that the Giants need somebody on the right side to to push. To, to create lanes and it's been lacking ever since you know they've done just about every other position on the line whether they panned out or not but they got a center they had a, a right tackle who then moved to left guard uh you know they tried to get a left tackle Eric flowers they, they tried everything but they never really tried to get a right guard and you know zeitler is an outstanding right guard not the best in the world but i, I mean leaps and bounds beyond anything that the Giants have had in the last six years. And I would say even probably further. I mean, the, I think he goes back to about Chris Snee in his prime. Um, and it's going to go a long way into both the passing game and the running game. Um, a, a guy who can create more holes, more consistent holes for Saquon Barkley, who can fortify the middle of the pocket, it's, it's crucial into what has been wrong with the Giants to begin with. Um, if you go back to 2011 tape, 
um, one of the things that made Eli Manning special that year, and that was by far, I would say, his career year, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, was his ability to move in the pocket, and that's partly due to him. You know, his decline since then is partly due to him and his age, but it's also because the middle of the pocket just wasn't there after that. If you actually look at the pockets that he had in, most of the trouble, I and mean, if you remember, most of the complaints were Dave Deal was playing left tackle in place of Will Beatty because Will Beatty had a retina issue or something. He had to get eye surgery. And Kareem McKenzie was playing right tackle and was the last year of his career, was getting beaten like, you know, <laughs> beaten like a drum on the right side by speed rushers but there was the center of the pocket for Eli to move up in and slide out of so while the edges were still struggling the middle of the pocket was there for him to step up in after that year that just wasn't the case anymore and you know now I think with two guards that are worth a shit having a left tackle that's above average they have the workings of an actual line. And, you know, we still have free agency. We still have the draft to address one more. And I said a couple weeks ago that if this team wants to be anything, they need to upgrade at least two pieces on the offensive line. You did say that. And they have upgraded one of the two pieces. You know, they've re-signed Spencer Pulley to a three-year deal. They've re-signed John Jalapio. Um let them to battle it out to see who's going to start the other guy sure but 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 again you know i i think that neither one of those things precludes gettleman from going with his gut in the draft and what he thinks is the best pick listen we ha- yeah, both of those guys are fringe nfl starters i know yeah. people people have fallen in love with john Halapio after he got hurt it's like well he'll be back next year he's barely a starter in this league yeah okay you know so let's keep it in perspective of what we actually have. These two are going to have a battle in training camp who's going to start. Now, it's nice to have the other guy as some depth, which his offensive line has not had in a long time. But yeah. Let's, you know, let's not get crazy that all of a sudden it's one of the you know, seven pillars of granite. They're not. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would actually go as far to say um, that the center position is more important than getting that right tackle position. And then, and then that's just, that's not to say that I think Chad Wheeler is better at right tackle than Jalapio or Pulley is at center. It's that, for me, it's about, again, creating that that center of the pocket, that middle rush. You know, I mean, how long has it been since we've been able to get two fucking yards on third and two? You know, yep. to, to get a fourth and one, to something. It's been forever. I mean, how long has it been since Eli's been able to step up in a pocket and not have a rush in his face? I mean, one of, one of Beckham's touchdowns two years ago in the Chargers game in which he got hurt, Eli literally got hit in the face, mm-hmm. then threw to a wide open Beckham. Yeah. I mean, how many runs have you seen Barkley just go right up the middle and get nine, ten yards? Everything it's always bouncing to the outside. Yeah. I mean, unless. Unless a gap is completely vacated. I mean, it's not really the Giants pushing holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole new element to that running game where, again, where it said more consistency of Barkley, so it's not, you know, his stats or anything are lopsided by just big runs. We This offense is going to need, especially next year, to get first downs in time of possession and quick, fast, quicken the game up. And that's one of the ways it's going to have to be done with the push of an offensive line. Yeah. And I, I went over um, some of the O-line myself 
And, uh, you know, I, I have to think that if an Elgin Jenkins is there, the center from Mississippi State, it's really hard for Gettleman to, to pick somebody else over him because he's got Jalapio or, you know, Pulley. You know, those two can battle for the backup position and also be a backup guard because they both play guard and center. That's correct. They um, both they both moved over to center since they've been giants. Yeah. So, you know, let them take whatever that that's that's versatility that that helps their cause to stay on the team is depth, both of them. Um but that does not mean that they should pass on a center in the draft that can be a real cog in this rebuilding, you know, wheel that they're I think trying to build. I don't know what they're doing anymore. Hey, Grump, I'm, uh, as we're talking, I'm flipping through Twitter. Uh, you realize the Browns are playing at MetLife Stadium in 2020, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's 2020. I know. It'd just be just a fun little thing to save the date. <laughs> it's just I, see what the reaction will be. It'll be interesting. It's, it's so much, so much is going to change between now and then. I would think that by 2020, I mean, it would be hard for me to imagine a situation in which Eli is re-signed for 2020. So, oh. I mean, this, the scope of this team will be very different. Well, wait a then. minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can definitely see them signing him for one more year to, for cap purposes. That's not the same because you'd be cutting him at, at that point. If, you, if you're going to restructure him and, and split this year's cap into two years, that's not actually – you're not actually going to keep him – on the team for those two years. You're spreading out his cap you number. Hope, you better hope that draft pick pans out then. I don't think you have a choice. Does it make a difference? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, you're investing in drafting his replacement anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. We want to talk about uh, Landon Collins real quick. I don't really have too much to say. I mean... I know. Fan, well, first of all, I guess my big thing is a lot of people are saying on on Twitter that this was, you know, all due to bad contracts that were given out by Jerry Reese that they couldn't afford to keep him. They had the money to keep him. It wasn't a money thing necessarily. It wasn't a we can't afford to keep you. It's that you think you're worth a number that we don't agree with, and I actually think that it was kind of the Giants to let this happen early. I just don't think they didn't want to overspend for a guy they didn't think was one of the best safeties in the league. I, I agree. Simple. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love I, I I love Landon Collins. I, I have his jersey. I love his jersey. I will continue to have it. Um good dude, great leader, um a big part of the defense. But again, the the man struggles to cover. And I said it before he was drafted by the Giants. He he's not great in coverage. Um he's He's adequate in coverage. I'm not trying to knock his game. He's it's just it's not the strength to his game. He's not Sean Taylor, no matter how much he wants to wear his number and emulate him and watch Sean Taylor film. Um, as as a relevant aside, Sean Taylor is my favorite non-giant that ever played. Um, it, it's not even close. Those two players, it's not. Uh, and. One of the things that made Sean Taylor Sean Taylor was that he was a true free safety when he wanted to be. A center fielder that could run sideline to sideline. All you need uh, to see is the reaction on on you know, everywhere, not just social media, but if you watch any of the shows that Washington's crazy. Typical Washington. 
Mm-hmm. Overspending. Overspending. Well, holy fuck. It's not yeah. necessarily that a team picked him up. It's the money they spent for him. Exactly. It's like outrageous contracts. It's six years, $84 million. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's why Washington is always Washington. You know, they, they, you know, that's kind of a move. It's like, it's like, it's a division rival. You want to needle them by, we want to pick that guy from them and we'll spend whatever it takes. It's a Yankee Red Sox move. It's it's the Yankees getting Jacoby Ellsbury, you know, and they're going to spend a ton of money just so they don't have him anymore. Does it make you necessarily better? No. I mean, yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry he's gone. You know, I I liked him as well, but you know, and I understand it. There is another hole that has to be filled, and now we have Jabril two, Peppers. Well, yeah, I mean that <laughs> was since been rectified, but we again on paper at. 6.30 p.m. on March 12th, we're worse than we were at the end of the season. Hmm. That's why yeah. let it let it all play out, guys. <laughs> yes, we... yeah, yeah. My, my gut reaction was not super negative when they let Landon Collins walk. In fact, I said, I think, oh, man, before the NFL season ended, I'm sure of that, but I'm not sure if it was before the regular season ended. It may have been during the playoffs. When we were talking about what the Giants needed to do and what they were missing in this upcoming offseason, I said... I don't know about the franchise tag for him because eleven million dollars for a guy that struggles to cover, it, that sounds like a lot of money for me. And that was me. That wasn't me thinking. You know, I don't know if it's good enough for them. It, for for me, that's a lot of money to dish out because the franchise tag does not signify a difference between free and strong safety, and it nor should it because it's so interchangeable. You know, right. the way the players play, but. Straight straight up, it's not one of his strengths to cover. And to pay $11 million for a defensive back to, that struggles to cover, that to me is too much money. Uh, I, I would love to have had him on. I would think that if they were able to negotiate with him to be under $8 million or around $8 million a year, they would have found a way to keep him. But I think they knew the market for him would be way higher, that franchise tagging him would not do any good because they'd be spending more than that. And I don't think he would be happy with a contract for less than that. Remember... I- I'm sure they were talking to his agent for a while. Oh, sure. I I just think this is an overall philosophy the Gettleman's having. They're just not spending big ticket on anybody. Mm. I, really, I just, you know, we our conversation 20 minutes ago about, you know, guys in their primes now and whatever. It's just they don't they'll feel at the, the cycle of this team right now, they are ready to invest big money on anybody where I think they want to be as nimble as they can with every roster spot right now to wheel and deal, whether it's picks or young guys or, or whatever. And uh, I think he's just another example of that. I mean, if this team was a nine and seven team, a fringe playoff team, maybe a wild card team, maybe they spend that extra couple of million and they keep them. But I think again, that money could be spread around more with younger guys that maybe aren't quite as good, but to fill more holes. I think that's just what you're now. Is that the right move? Yes or no? I don't know. It'll, it'll bear out, but I think that's, we're seeing what the philosophy I think they're going with is. That's what the Gettleman plan. Probably people are whining. What's the plan? Well, I think it's important to note that today the giants actually have a second safety, you know, Drabil Peppers is brought in. Um, briefly, I want to talk about Peppers. I wasn't real high on him coming out in the draft. What was that last year or two years ago? 
two years ago. Two years ago. Uh, because he's one of those guys who just, to me, doesn't really have a position. He's just a really athletic guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, I don't know, did he play running back at Michigan in addition to safety slash linebacker slash punt returner? I know he played both sides of the ball. He was a running back, kind of. Yeah. But, like, but he's almost like played the, the quote-unquote Percy position for all you Florida Gators out there. Where oh, like just a gadget speed some, guy. Sometimes he was out of the backfield. Sometimes he lined up wide. So he was just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, to me, he wasn't a real, a real true safety. But, however, what I will say, disregarding the Odell Beckham part of this acquisition, but I do think that he fits what... James Betcher does on defense, um, you know, where he has sort of three safeties slash. I mean, this is sort of like a Dayon Buchanan role, right? Where he's like mm-hmm. half a linebacker, but he's really good at coverage and he's a little too lean to be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can throw him back deep every once in a while. His versatility allows him to be disguised really well. So I can see this player now in the system that we're in and not, Steve Spagnolo's defense, I see this fit more. I get this one. Um, in addition to that, earlier today, the Giants signed Antoine Bethay, um, who was a safety in James Betcher's defense two years ago. Uh, he is much older, and I, I don't know. I don't think we got his contract details, right? I've not seen him, no. Yeah, I, I my understanding is that it's a two-year deal, and we don't know the money yet. Um, is it possible as a one-year deal with an option? I yeah, I that's the other thing somewhere. too. Yeah, it's it's very possible that it's a two-year deal with like an out built in after one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so so the Giants do have two safeties, and uh, this is sort of a mixture of what Gettleman and Betcher do with their defense. You know, it's a um, a committee approach. So I, I mean, I know Carolina, a different story with Ron Rivera's defense entirely. But, you know, used a lot of three safeties. You know, now the Giants are looking at a situation where they have Michael Thomas still in the books, who played very well, uh, mm, played better than expectations last year. Sean Chandler, who was a free agent, uh, undrafted free agent that was acquired that played much better than expectations. And now Antoine Bethea, a known quantity for James Betcher. And Jabril Peppers, a young guy that seems to fit Betcher's defense of scheme. So... Now, instead of Landon Collins and insert names, since <laughs> Curtis Riley's not here anymore, and nor would anyone want him, um, now you have four guys, and you know there's still the potential for more. Right. What did you think about uh, Deion Buchanan going to the Bucks over the Giants? Any thoughts? I, I didn't really want him all that much. Uh, you know, at, at this point, I I, I get his value. Um, and especially being that he's a James Betcher guy. Uh, but I, I think that he's not he's not a top priority for me. I, at this point, I would say that they are okay dealing with a, a free agent safety like Antoine Bethea. I was thinking more Trey Boston or uh, you know somebody who is not going to be the high money that's being shelled out for Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, haha, Clinton Dix, etc. Uh, but but somebody who fills a role, this this committee approach, you know. I I um 
I mean, like, I, I'm trying to remember who the uh, the defensive backs were for Carolina the year they went to the Super Bowl. You had one Josh Norman on a rookie deal, and right. then it was like um, Captain Munerlin and um, I, I want to say Kurt Coleman. I don't know if that's true. I don't remember. I honestly and, don't. And um, the, the, the one dude I fucking hate who was with the Titans for, like, the <laughs> longest time, Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> I mean, they were all guys in the—I don't want to say the twilight of their career, but probably on their last big contract, by big in air quotes, you know. Right. They're more than one-year deal. deal. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're multi-year—the last of their multi-year deals, and one guy on his rookie contract. So, yeah, I expected something like Trey Boston. At this point, if they're going to throw money of of any sort of magnitude, it should be at a pass rusher— of some kind, I would think, or, or a defensive end that also sometimes rushes the passer or something like that, you know? Yeah. So I wasn't too, you know, Buchanan to me would have been nice, but I mean, once it, it became it, a bidding war, I I don't think it was that serious. We're not going to, we're not going to be, we talked about it four times on the show tonight. We're not getting into bidding wars this year. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's do this little game. You know, we'll probably do this several times between now and post-draft. Based on how free agency started, based on the trades, what do you see are the biggest needs on this team as we continue with free agency and we get into the draft? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of what the you had five in order at one point, and they included... Offensive line, I believe, was at top, right? That was number – I think I had number two. I had pass rusher at first. Okay. So pass rusher, offensive line. Right. um, I think then you had, what, linebacker? I had linebacker. Corner. And I had fourth I had was – fifth I had was uh, long-term quarterback solution. Yeah. And I think fourth you had corner, right? Yes. So I would reshuffle those. I I think – I think offensive line falls down now. I don't think it's the number one priority anymore. I agree. Um, I think now you're number, but I think wide receiver now enters the mix. <laughs> I agree. That's, that's yeah. very fair. I think number one right now, it's, you know. I think pass, pass rusher, rusher stays is, is, number one is now. Number one and number two right now. I mean, we had one pass rusher. Now we have none. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, now we say that jokingly. Yeah, I I would I would agree with that. I think after everything has gone on in the last couple of weeks, Grump, and we can laugh, God bless us. But, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's on paper right now. We have no pass rushers. That yeah, I would say I would agree with that. I would say number one and two is pass rusher. I would say uh, a corner would probably be three. I think wide receivers four, and uh, uh, I'll say quarterback four, and I'll say um, wide receiver five. Okay, interesting. Um, well, because because I think that I think that now the the Odell Beckham trade for me now sets us back to a point where this season is so lost that it it it's we better figure out where our footing is. You know what I mean? It's it. I'm not. I'm not saying that I thought that. It's just you know. I think the quarterback solution has to happen this year now. This is, I'm going to be very honest with you, Grump. The Beckham 
trade makes no impact on me what this season was going to be. It was either going to be no, no, no. It was either going to be a lost year or a year where we're just a growing pains year where we have a new quarterback and we're just going to okay, that, it's, it's not lost. I don't think his. Th- that's what I mean. I think it now shifts it, it to that though. Yeah, I don't. I don't think his lot. This departure means it's it is now a lost season. I think it was going to be a lost season regardless. Y- yes, I agree. I, I I'm struggling I, to phrase it, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it was either going to be a growing pain season or a, a total dump. Mm-hmm. And I think now without Beckham, there is no hope for it being a growing pain season unless unless we get that you are draft. Unless you take the quarterback this year and he's either sitting behind Eli Manning or he's waiting in the wings and comes in, in the middle of the season or something like that. Let me ask so you. that's why that's why quarterback for me is moving up one spot. I, I mean, to, that's that's really the only difference. I have to ask you the question since we're covering everything tonight on our 12th hour of the program. Does this change Eli's decision to play in 2019? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, let's look at it from Eli Manning's perspective other than the paycheck why is he playing this year well i mean didn't you say it literally five seconds ago the season was never going to be anything other than a growing pain season which means nothing for eli manning or a wash yeah which means nothing for eli manning so what difference does it make to him now i mean i guess having beckham you know kind of you know it creates something for him whether it's you know a potential for a better year like don't have to leave with the stink of this past year. And now, like, he has no one really to throw to. I mean, we're almost, you know, we're one injury away. We're one Sterling Shepard injury or one Evan Ingram injury away from being where we were at the end of the 2017 season. Where well, we were getting guys off the street to play. Well, we haven't really, this, you know, we didn't get into this because it's sort of fantasy land. But <laughs> if if this one of these draft picks or two of these draft picks become a trade for Josh Rosen. I believe that you are seeing the last of Eli Manning anyway. Josh Rosen does not need to sit behind anybody. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And, you know, even if he, if you felt that he needed to sit last year, he didn't. And he gained experience. He got a feel for the NFL speed, you know, et cetera. So there is no, if you end up trading for Josh Rosen, to me, there's no justification in keeping Eli's cap hit on the books. Grump, I put a gun to your head. Josh, uh, Josh Rosen for a second round pick, done. or ha- or Haskins. No, done. Josh Rosen second round pick, done. I I like Dwayne Haskins for a lot of the things that he does. Um, I think he throws a very beautiful deep ball. I think that he's moves pretty well in the pocket. Um, he's got all the physical traits you have. He's very accurate, but his accuracy is inconsistent. Uh, he's still very raw, and uh, to me, having only one year as a starter of any significant playing time is not enough, and he needs to sit. And I, to me, I know a lot less about what I'm getting when I get Dwayne Haskins than I do with Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen played on a garbage team for three years and just Every- wowed me with his consistency and his accuracy and his ability to make something out of nothing. You know, Every, everybody go back to the, the episode. I guess it was in late October, early November, where we were recording this on a Monday night and Arizona was playing yeah. and I was interrupting the podcast probably four times in fear of the kid's life because how bad his offensive line was. 
Yeah, and and to be fair, banking off that point, the one reason why I had Sam Darnold above him was my concern was because of Rosen's injury history that he may not make it. I don't have those concerns anymore after the year he's had. And I think right now if the Giants stand pat with the offensive line that they do right now, I think they have the potential to be at least a middle-of-the-pack offensive line in this league. Sure. Right now. I agree with that, yeah. Um, you know, there's for a combination of having Solder on the left side, the experienced guy, a sort of experienced guy, I guess you could say pretty experienced, left, a right guard now, and a second year guy. That, that, uh, left guard, uh, Will Hernandez? Left, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think you could see a, you know, we can look at the, uh, I guess, the PFF rating at the end of the season, but I think they would, they had the potential to grant it around 15, 16. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so gun to my head, I'm picking Rosen for it. I would too. Cause I think and and you know what? Honestly, if I'm being totally serious, I would give up a one and a three for him. I might even give up a one and a two. Now that you have two ones, yeah. I, I mean, you know, if, if it comes to giving away the 17th and the 37th for a quarterback that I truly believe should have went in the top five last year, worth it. Right, and then, and then it also means you're not only getting the quarterback, you're also going to get your pass rusher at six. Yep, if you're and tra- you're getting the rookie contract for both of them. Exactly. If, you, if you're drafting Haskins, you're not getting that elite uh, pass rusher. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, this is <laughs> – something's going to have to be done, I think, just to kind of get you know the giant fan, the giant media, everybody just off the ledge. You know, and uh, a trade for Rosen – doesn't make it all better, but definitely takes a lot of the sting out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, it, it, it gives the fans something to hope for. I mean, I don't want to go down this path too much, but Jets fans, I, I forget his fucking name. Who? Brandon. Brandon something. Oh, Brandon Tierney. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know anything about him. I get it. He's He's on the radio or something. Not important. <laughs> the point is, the point I'm making is... Uh, sorry. The point I'm making is here's a guy who is sitting here saying that the Giants are absolute clowns as if standing from a Jets point of view is somehow credible. Yeah. I, I don't understand that at all. And I'm not and, – and Giants fans are piling on me like, dude, he's got a point. Like because they drafted a quarterback last year? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they do worse than us? A quarterback, I, I, a quarterback, by the way, who had one of the 10 best seasons in Jets history. <laughs> Think about that. For a team I, that's been around for 60 years. I, I just I, – I understand that it's a bright future, and that's what Giants fans are looking for. They have nothing to look forward to. They don't believe in – the solution they have at quarterback. They think that we're in cap hell and that we're far away from competing, which is fine. And I'm not arguing with that. The point I'm making is pot calling the kettle black over here. I, I, I just, are you, are you just so butthurt that you're just waiting for an opportunity to jump on the giants for screwing something up? You no, know, like, it's the same story in this town where, you know, the little brother always has uh inferiority complex. You know, the nets will, always he said it, he said it himself. I always yeah. grew up jealous. Like, at least you're admitting it, that this is coming from nowhere. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's the silliest thing. It's, you know, the Giants compare themselves to the rest of the league. The Jets always compare themselves to the Giants. The Agreed. Giants 
are grateful that you pay half our mortgage, and that's all it is. They're, the Jets are desperate to have a rivalry with the Giants. Giants could give one shit. Dude, I, I've said this before, but when the Jets are in the playoffs, I root for them just as well. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a Jets fan, but I, I would certainly rather see the Jets go to the Super Bowl than say, you know. I'm, I'm as indifferent to them as if I'm watching the Texans. And that probably is more insulting to a Jet fan than saying you hate them. Is I, def- I, I very honestly, it's the same with the Nets. You know, it's just, I'm, I, I go to a, I get somebody gives me free tickets to see the Nets play Chicago at Barclays. I feel like I'm in Kansas City. It doesn't even feel like I'm in New York. I could care less. And, and that, that's, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, you want to have a rivalry? We'll see in the Super Bowl. I mean, football, you got to play each other to have a real yeah, rivalry. Not, I agree with that. Yeah. Not, not just, you know, you know, the Knicks and Nets don't have a rivalry because they've never been both good at the same time. Never, ever in the 45 year history. Yankees and Mets. I mean, they, they have a, they, they went to the World Series against each other. Yeah, and this is also a baseball town where you know it's they'll talk about the third starter in February. You know, it's a little different situation. But uh, Hawks, Islanders, and Rangers hate each other. Well, they play each other five times a year. So Rangers, Devils hate each other. They hate they play each other five times a year. They've had epic playoff battles. Jets and Giants. They share the a house. Snoopy Bowl. Yeah, no one gives a shit. You know how many. Yeah. Trump, I've been living in New York now, back up here 20 years. How many Super Bowls I've been to? Zilch. Uh, uh. None. You know what I've watched on TV? Maybe three halves. Don't care. Wait. Oh, Snoopy Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I just, it's just a point. Like, I, I have no ill will for Jets or Jets fans. I don't care. Um, you know, good for you when you do well. I fine, <laughs> but like, no, seriously, I, you know, I have friends that are Jets fans. So they should be happy. That's cool. It, it affects me zero. They're yeah. not in the same conference division, nothing. Yeah. So, you know, sure. Win your games. I, I don't care, but I just don't understand the clowning. Uh, like as you sit standing at a, you know, third pick overall laughing at the, the team picking sixth. I mean, <laughs> we all sit in a room and make fun of each other. It, it, stupid (laughs) i don't know all right let's wrap this up this has been a very emotional day and we're all exhausted (laughs) so so before this trade was announced we were actually supposed to go over safeties so that's going to be upcoming uh this this trumped that so we're gonna just have to put that off a little bit so we'll go over free agent safeties that are still on the market even though the giants picked up two new ones and um draft safeties because they're still very much in play uh, especially draft safeties because they'll be coming in in our rookie contract. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this team, we've said it often and often, is going to be built with rookie contracts and young guys. And just because they got two, they still need depth. One guy mm-hmm. gets hurt, you're back in hell again. Oh, yeah, and, and Antoine Bethay is not going to be a more than right. one-year show. We're not calling Curtis Riley up again. So. Oh, God. All right, but... In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, uh, where I will continue to follow the news as best I can. I, I do work a full time job, so I can. I happened to catch the Beckham thing literally as it happened, within seconds of Mike Garofalo's tweet, who was the first one on it. I just literally happened to check it at that moment, but I do my best to to check my phone every 
couple of hours, like every hour and a half or so. So follow me there. I'll at least have commentary on whatever comes up if I'm not breaking it very quickly. You can catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. I'm going to probably be not as active as I have been for a while, but uh, you'll all understand. Um, but uh, obviously when something important happens, I will be on there talking about whatever. A um, couple of things I noticed, Grump. We are now on Podbean in addition to being on SoundCloud. Cool. We are, we are also on Listen Notes. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how, how we got on there, but we are. We're still not on iTunes yet because I've been a little distracted and haven't had a chance to get on to iTunes and find out why our link isn't working. But we are on SoundCloud, we are on Podbean, and we are on Listen Notes, and I think we're on some other sites as well. I'll do some more research and find out where we are. But, uh... <laughs> as you pull out a map. <laughs> Where's that slide um... rule? But but in in the future in the near future we'll also be on Google Play so we'll be able to yeah. uh, for for Android users like myself uh, a little bit easier than having to use SoundCloud if you don't want to yeah you can actually download and save it for one so yeah but yeah be sure to follow the show tell your <laughs> friends um, and uh, go Giants I guess go Giants <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> <laughs>